Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's my Maggie to my Emma. Would that work, since you're the one with the baby? Yeah. I don't want to talk about the condition of my nether regions, though. <laughs> That's okay. I'll send you some pictures. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Wait, no, I can lose my license. <laughs> it's my sister, Marissa. Since The Good Place is coming back this month and we only have a couple weeks to kill before season three starts up, thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> it has been such a long drought. <laughs> As uh, who's the, uh, Annie, not Annie, Shirley from Shirley. Community would say, it's been a long 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we would do a few episodes uh, just of like dealer's choice, so shows we like, but that don't necessarily fit into any you know theme that's particularly related to The Good Place. So this week we're watching one of my favorite short-lived comedies, the USA Network comedy Playing House, starring Lennon Parham and Jessica St. Clair. Uh, before we get started, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping at the top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes. That would be lovely. Can I cut in here? Yes. Because, guys, because we are ramping up to season three of The Good Place, this might be a time when people are looking for podcasts about The Good Place. So if we're, I'd like to do kind of a, a review drive, if you will, if you could just go over to iTunes. Ooh, that's a great idea. Thank you. If you could just go over to iTunes and like rate and review us real quick. Even if your review is, they talk good. That's fine. <laughs> I can't tell the two of them apart, but it's fun anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you, for some reason, are unable to get onto iTunes, which I don't know how that's a thing, but it could be. You Maybe you run a Linux desktop. I don't think that they have iTunes for Linux. Then could you just like tell a friend about the show or, or tweet about it or something? Yeah. Just trying to... Trying to get slightly more listenership as we go into the third season. Yeah. And I will only bug everybody about this in the weeks leading up to season three, and then I will be quiet about it. I don't, I don't think that's too much to bug people about. Hey, you. Know, you. We don't... We iTunes. Don't, we don't do a whole lot of promotion. It's a lot of it's just our friends. Because this is 100% a labor of love. Yes. <laughs> this doesn't... It doesn't, like net us more money because I, this, I is, this say, is a money suck not a money <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say like this for us What's the opposite of a money suck a money blow uh, oh mm-hmm. <laughs> um a, a money um we're we're getting more of it than we're spending which is not the case here right. um yeah this is i mean we're this in is, the red Let's right. just put it that way. But but for love, because we love the good place and we love each other and we love all of you dear listeners. And that is like, a, a this is a good time. I mean, we never uh, have advertisements or anything like that. So if you also, like me, are looking for podcasts where like they try to keep ads to a minimum, this is a good one to recommend too, because some of them have ads that go on forever and I, you know, don't always. You know what the new thing is that's making me crazy with podcast What's ads? That? What's they that? will just cut in in like, the middle of like it's not a stopping point it's not like the host says okay now let's take a break for some ads and then it's like casper mattresses it's just like (laughs) it's just like someone will be speak a sentence and it doesn't even seem like they're finished a paragraph and then boom comes the ad i hate that 
We don't do that here. We're, we are. No one is going to pay us <laughs> to to promote anything. That's not the point. The point is, we would just like more listeners so that we can have more spirited conversations on the Facebook page and more Twitter yes. interactions. Just just more um, more of a community. That's we all. did get a Twitter interaction. It was the sweetest thing. Yes, earlier today slash overnight that we will talk about at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. And you can also, to finish up the housekeeping really quick, you can follow and like us. As Marissa was saying, you know, more listeners means more people on Facebook and Twitter. So you can find us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play, Twitter at The Good Play Pod. And you can also send us an email with your thoughts at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. So how would you like to do the recaps for this? Do you want me to do it or? Maybe we can switch off. Okay. So you want me to start? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So... Uh, Before we get into the recaps, uh, this is one of my favorite comedies. Just a little background for everybody. This is one of my favorite comedies from the era of NB. Sorry, USA Network programming that was like the blue, what they called the blue sky programming, which was just. What does that mean? uh, Blue sky programming was like all the shows that you make fun of. It's basically Beach Law. It's um. (laughs) What's that from? Beach Law. Beach Law is from Twitter, I think. (laughs) No, 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 no. It was. On, like, SNL or something. I, maybe it was. Um, I think there's a Beach Law Twitter account that I follow, actually. But it's basically um, the shows on USA Network that were popular for a long time, which were sort of quirky procedurals or, like, basically happy happy sitcoms and things that were not stressful, things that were not... Uh, like Monk. Monk, uh, Psych, which is my favorite show of all time, which I've mentioned 1,000 times on this podcast. There were also a lot of really short-lived ones. So, like, what about what about that guy who's the doctor to the rich people? Yes, um, Royal Pains, which is another one we could do. It's on Netflix. Yeah, no thanks. Um, I actually like that show, Um, Royal Pains. uh, There were some short-lived ones like um, Necessary Roughness and that show about the uh, Piper Parabo and the CIA. Forget that one. Anyway, so basically, it's all. It was uh, an era of like. A lot of programming that was, some of it was procedural, some of it was sitcom, but all of it was basically like, here's an episode of the week, and it's basically happy and not stressful. And then uh, USA Network optioned uh, Mr. Robot, and that was incredibly successful. And I loved Mr. Robot, I still do. But they got a lot of traction with that show and basically changed their formatting to be like all dark shows all the time and like started doing a lot of man yeah and started doing a lot of shows like queen of the south which is about the drug trade and um like mr robot which is again great but very stressful (laughs) very very stressful um and a bunch of other shows that are a lot darker and so they sort of stopped um doing shows that were more of like this happy light tenor which kind of bums me out um in fact there's if if there's any era in which we need the programming it's now i know i know i'm i'm totally with you yeah this was like blue sky programming is very like obama era like everything's okay and then (laughs) you know like 2016 crept up and they were like fear for your lives uh and your security we do can i now can i get monk back please (laughs) can i just 
can I watch a show where like the you know like this show can I watch a show where like the biggest problem in it is like we have to get to dinner with our boyfriends and like or, our yeah, car we have is to broken paint down. the house yeah we have to paint the house before the baby comes <laughs> right yeah. exactly so this show was in my opinion very criminally cut short uh, because uh, USA Network kind of said it didn't quite fit with the direction of the network anymore. Um, but before that, I know this is a lot of backstory for everybody, but I really liked USA comedies. Um, before that, they were really a network that took a chance on a lot of comedies that couldn't get made anywhere else. Psych is one of them. The creator of Psych has said that he shopped his idea around to every single network and they all shut him down except for USA. Uh, Playing House was the same way where um, they just sort of let Jessica St. Clair and Lennon Parham, who are... It was The, the Onion, by the way. Beach Law. Oh, Beach Law was the onion. Was the onion. <laughs> yeah, the Onion calls uh, the Blue Sky programming for for USA Network Beach Law, which is basically encompasses like all their shows. It's like hot people on a beach, or you know, some procedural in an office, but that doesn't have that high stakes. Um, uh, yeah, the, the the Onion headline was USA renews burn notice. Yeah, royal royal pains. Yep, burn collar. <laughs> Covert notice. Yes, covert affairs. That's the one I couldn't no, no, remember. No, 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 no. But this is their. This is they're making fun of, right? Yeah, no, I know, I know. Royal affairs uh- <laughs> and legal burns. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. By the way, the tagline for Beach Law is "Some trials are a sure thing." <laughs> That's actually great. I would totally watch Beach Law. Um. So yeah, USA Network. I think before, like in the era of blue sky programming was very much like, yeah, sure. Like we'll take your ideas that sort of fit into this category that can't get made anywhere else. Lennon Parham and Jessica St. Clair had a show together called BFFs that was uh, also, I think canceled sort of prematurely. What network was that? Uh, Best friends forever was uh, ran on NBC. So we could have done that for NBC (laughs) month. So, this is actually, like, I'm reading the synopsis now. When Jessica's husband files for divorce, her first instinct is to hop on a flight across the country and move back in with her best friend, Lennon. <laughs> so, like... Super similar. <laughs> yeah, super similar. Um, so this show... So they had had a show before, and they were shopping around other ideas. And they are... Uh, Jessica and Lennon are best friends in real life. And one of the reasons that I love this show is because that really, really comes through... Like, they very clearly love each other in real life. They very clearly have a lot of affection for one another and a lot of, you know, experience performing with one another. They both came up through Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. They became better friends when they moved. They both independently moved out to L.A. and were just, like, looking for someone to hang out with in in an industry that was, like, very competitive and difficult to break into tv they became the best of friends started writing together and jessica st Clair, who's basically said like well lennon stuck with me for the rest of her life so like that's it um i mean it's not very often that you see sort of uncomplicated and and genuine female friendship yes represented i mean small screen big screen anywhere i mean it's always this stuff about how there's always backbiting or there's always there's dark secrets or whatever yeah that's a great point i mean one of the reasons why i love this show so much is that like they it warms my heart because they have just a very very genuine friendship and it's not like they don't fight or they don't have disagreements but 
they are always on each other's side. And I think you're right. Like the, the representation of female friendships in a lot of popular culture is that like one of the, like they're best friends, but one of them secretly is jealous of the other or one of them, you know, starts achieving more. I mean, I keep more. seeing, I keep seeing a, a trailer for some movie with, um, oh boy, I've turned into our dad. <laughs> Can we play you this know, game? The, Who is the it? girl. <laughs> the girl from the thing. From up in the air. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Oh, uh, che- that's cheaty Anna Kendrick. And with, um, <laughs> with, that's the one with, um, oh, I'm going to turn into our dad too. <laughs> um, Age of Adeline. He's married to Ryan Reynolds. I have no freaking clue. Give me one second. Uh, Blake Lively. That's why. Yes. I mean, that's like such a, it's such a classic, like, oh, female friendship thing. Because it's like secretly some horrible, dark nonsense going on, yeah, right? Like I don't know seems... what, but. <laughs> like, she seems perfect on the outside, but on the inside, she's like. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. There's some horrible thing. Yeah, that's a great example um, or a lot of times it's like these two best friends and then all of a sudden like there's a guy involved and mm-hmm. that doesn't, you know, that creates problems or whatever. And this show, you know, they are dealing with some of the most stressful things I would argue you could deal with divorce and uh, cancer, cancer and raising a baby and childbirth. Like, yeah. And they just like do it together and they are so they are always sticking by each other and always really supportive of one another and that's just such a nice thing like that that's why i think i want that and beach show. law that that would be my ideal <laughs> friday night yes this and beach law can we get you know there is a lawyer character in one of the episodes of this show so maybe we could get a spin off like he joins <laughs> you know some law firm so this is based in connecticut but you know there are beaches in connecticut we could you know we'll figure it out are there they're like rocky beaches so maybe not the kind that beach law would need yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is also, this is just, I think for me, like we've talked a lot uh, in the past few months about like comfort watches or mm-hmm. things that you just like watch over again because it doesn't stress you out. And I think after, after a long day of just 2018, <laughs> this is nice to <laughs> come home to. Oh, honey, how was your day? <laughs> I, you know, sweetie, frankly, it's still 2018. <laughs> so I'm having a, it's. I'm having a time, okay? Um, so, and if you want more Jessica and uh, St. Clair and Lennon Parham in your life, they do do a podcast together called Womp It Up on the Earwolf Network. Do you listen to it? I've listened to it on occasion. They do characters, so it's not just the two of oh, them. Oh, that's not my thing, personally. Um, it's, it's funny, but I would actually, in my opinion, not that anybody's looking for it, but I would just rather have a... <laughs> podcast with the two of them talking because i think they're hysterical yeah like Um, what if they did like a recap podcast of like drag race or something yes i would love that oh my god um and one last note before we get into the show because i i just find this really interesting is um the two of them i've read a lot about their writing process and the two of them will because they come from improvisation before they started writing together uh they will act out their scenes uh, with like garage band on or some kind of you know voice notes thing on their computer and so they'll act out their scenes and they'll kind of figure out like how their characters would talk and interact with each other by actually doing it and then they will write out the transcript from that and kind of polish it up from there so 
what I like about that is I think it, it comes off like their dialogue is really conversational and really ping pongy, which I like a lot. Um, and it seems more naturalistic. And I think that's probably because they have that kind of writing style where they're really acting it out and then sort of transferring it to the page rather than writing it out first and then, you know, performing it later. So with all that said, I'm uh, still stuck on beach law. Beach law. <laughs> We should, can we do like a whole month? Can we do a month theme of just Beach Law and watch all my favorite USA shows? I mean, we we're could. Gonna, we're going to have a long hiatus again after season three. I can't even. Not that I want to think about that right now because I literally well, can't. Do we, do we actually know that they're coming back for season four? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think we do know that. Oh, Lordy. If this ends after season three, what are we going to do? I, we're not going to have a podcast anymore. <laughs> well,. It will have been real. (laughs) Anyway, um, so with all that said, um, we can start with... uh, So we watched three episodes of Playing House, one episode in each season. Uh, Two of them were the season finales. Two of them were the season finales. One of them... So I realized after I did it that all of them were the episode eights of the season. Um, But so the Lucky number eight. Yeah. So the first one we did was season one, episode eight, 37 weeks. So the back... Again, the background of this show, just very quickly, because I know I've talked a lot at the top, is that Lennon Parham plays a woman named uh, Maggie Caruso, whose husband... uh, Who's very, very pregnant, and her husband, it turns out, has been cheating on her. And so she decides... Some, it's some sort of grody fetish thing, right? It's it's just an online relationship. It's it. His character turns very quickly from, like, the scumbag ex-husband into, like, the we're better co- co-parents when we're divorced and also you're a great dad. Like, one of the things I've read about the show in a recap before is, like, or a review before is like, no one's the bad guy. Like everyone, everything kind of gets worked out. Um, so even the, the season one characters who start out kind of scuzzy end up kind of okay. He's one of them, but he is cheating on Maggie. And so Maggie decides to get a divorce and her best friend, uh, Emma played by Jessica St. Clair, uh, decides to move home. She's been in China for the last 13 years working, which she did that because her college sweetheart, uh, who's also in this show, uh, proposed to her. And then she, she sort of freaked out. And we find out later at the urging of her mother. Uh, oh, I didn't move yeah, okay, away. Didn't catch that. Yeah. So that's in like some of the middle episodes. Um, her mom played by Jane Kaczmarek, who's so wonderful, great. Wonderful. She's a American treasure. Um, the fact that she and Bradley Whitford split up was, like, a real blow to me, yeah, personally. Yeah, not fun. Um, so her mother urged her to not settle down too soon. And so Emma has been in in China for the last, you know, 13 or so years working. And so that makes them, at the beginning of the show, that makes them 35. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They're okay. in their 30s. And um, they... She came home for the baby shower, which is when all this stuff like happened with Lennon's character's husband. And so she decides to stay and help Maggie raise the baby because she's very unhappy with work. And she sort of like realizes that she's missing out on all these life milestones with her best friend uh, being so far away and being kind of like forced to work these crazy hours. So what is she actually doing for a job while she's in, in Connecticut? So that's mostly she does event planning. 
that kind of happens. It happens a couple times a season, basically, as you see her doing event planning. This show doesn't really, with the exception of when Maggie goes back to nursing school and then becomes a nurse, doesn't really deal with like the topic of how, like, how are they paying for all of this stuff? Mm. But you do know that Maggie and uh, she has a younger brother, Zach, who we will talk about. Um, So Maggie and Zach, uh, their parents passed away when um, Maggie was uh, in college or right after college when she went into nursing school. So, I assumed always that that was their childhood home and that... Oh, her, yes, yes, yes. That, that makes her, total sense. Yeah. That, the whole gestalt of that house is very, like, lived-in, middle-aged kind of... Yeah. So I always assumed that when her parents passed away... They don't ever explain how they passed away, but I always assumed that when her parents passed away, she inherited the house. And, and so that's where Maggie and then Emma moves in with her into that house. And that's where she had lived with her husband before that. Uh, so all that being said, we are jumping into season one, episode eight. Maggie is very, very pregnant at this point. And she wasn't pregnant in real life, right? No, she, I think Jessica St. Clair was actually pregnant in real life at some point during the filming of this show. Huh. Um, but she had a baby, I think not too long after they both have kids. So we open on, Maggie's OB's office, played by Larry Wilmore, and he tells her... I miss him. I mean, too. He has a podcast. Okay, everybody's got a podcast. Yeah. Um, we're just, like, buzz marketing other people's podcasts today. <laughs> uh, where he tells her that basically the baby could arrive anytime now, since she's at 37 weeks, and this really freaks Mag- Maggie, like, is like, what? I'm sorry, I have to go immediately. And Emma is that, sort of... by the way, means that she has read, like, zero pregnancy books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she sort of is... Uh, she doesn't really know a whole lot. You can tell from this episode, doesn't really know a whole lot about, like, you know, expectant motherhood. Um, so meanwhile, Emma, who's her best friend, is only concerned about uh, the conditions of uh, Maggie's uh, nether regions post- Womanhood. Womanhood, post-birth. <laughs> Um, and so she, cause you know, she's like, she's going to get back with a post-divorce dating scene. I want to make sure everything's right and tight, which I thought was really funny. Later that night, Maggie is maniacally working on, or manically, I should say, Maggie is manically working on home improvement projects that she has been putting off. Uh, and now is like freaking out about she has a whole list. that's like paint the kitchen as if that's like one thing that you do. Yeah. I mean, look, sir, God knows I did things to prepare for my children's births, but painting i mean i guess we painted the nursery for, i painted yeah we painted you the painted nursery. yeah you, you painted my firstborn's nursery but like the kitchen <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know but maggie's like i gotta do this and i gotta do this and emma and, and again this goes back to like they just have a very supportive friendship where emma just goes like you're very pregnant I will take care of it. Don't worry about a thing. Let's get you to bed. So the next day, Emma gets help from their friends, including Mark, who is Emma's ex, and he's played by Keegan-Michael Key. I love Uh, him. I love him, too. And he's got a lot of charisma on everything he does, but on this show, I just think he's wonderful. And they also did improv together. Basically, Emma, or Lennon and... uh, Jessica St. Clair have said that they just cast all their best friends and make them make out with them. <laughs> like, that's what they do. So, and then Emma's mom, played by the wonderful Jane Kaczmarek, and her character's name is Gwen. 
So Maggie asks Gwen to stay because she's the only one who's actually had a baby. So she takes her upstairs. The only one in the world. (laughs) Well, the only one, I guess, in the house who's had a baby. Uh, So Mark gets the kitchen ready for painting and Emma is sort of like making fun of him for his attention to detail. He's like super into Bob Vila. So, I mean, but there's an important context here that kind of needs to be spoken about, which is that he's married to a woman that they call Bird Bones. (laughs) Because she... In high school, she broke her bones a lot, and she still does. And so they they call her bird bones. It's not kind. There's a whole episode about it. (laughs) And she is... Is she obsessive-compulsive? She's a little bit obsessive-compulsive. She... uh, Again, like, her character, too, gets toned down a lot over the course of three seasons. But, yeah, she's sort of, she's like a, a a hoarder, kind of, and she has all these... But not, like, weird idiosyncrasies. A, ho- a hoarder would make it sound like she's living in some sort of trash heap of a house, when so, sort of the opposite is true. Yeah, so uh, in an earlier episode, I, which we didn't watch for the show, but I have seen numerous times, they... They are trying to make nice with her and they go to their house for brunch and like everything is perfect. Like, so she is kind of like obsessively keeping the house in order. Um, but she has one room, which is like her QVC room. I think I've room, seen that episode actually. And it's just full of like panini presses and like commemorative teddy bears and all kinds of weird stuff that you get online shopping. But so, so Mark is married to Bird Bones. What's her actual name? Tina? Tina. Um, and it's like slightly complicated because it's pretty obvious from the jump that Mark still has feelings for Emma. Yes. And even she after has... they've been broken up for, uh, you know, the entire length of time it takes a child to go from birth to bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, he's got some hurt about how things ended, which we'll talk about because they talk about it in this episode. And, he married somebody who went to high school with them. That's Bird Bones. Like, they all went to high school together. Did they all go to, like, the same state university? I think so, probably. They don't really talk probably about it. Probably went to UConn. So they, you know, but they all went to high school together. And so there's also a lot of that kind of stuff, like moving back to your hometown and, like, sort of you revert to some of these things that were the way that it was when you were there and like that's why they still call her bird bones behind her back and stuff and um we find out emma's nickname old nickname in this show um in this episode i should say and yeah it's very clear that they both still have feelings for each other and also that his marriage is rocky it's not like super happy and so is it clear why they don't have children no no probably because it would have been too complicated to deal with narratively yeah so you know mark gets a call from tina and they have this kind of like awkward conversation where it's it's kind of clear that he's getting frustrated with her but kind of has to keep a lid on it and emma overhears it and at the end of the call he's kind of sings to his wife i love you um and emma like wants to make fun of him um meanwhile maggie is packing her bag for the hospital and gwen is like half giving her advice and half just like scaring her um it's like 70 percent scary and because so the other piece of background information is that emma and her mother do not have a good relationship it's never really clear why but 
I, you know, Jane Kaczmarek's character is very critical. Uh, also has kind of like a casual drinking problem. Um, like, again, because you know, it's, she's a fun drinker. Right. Because it's beach law. It's not going to be like my mom's an alcoholic. and She's in detox right now. Or right. Something, right. It's just like she has a couple too many cocktails. She is really she's she's really um, sort of resentful of. And I think this happened in real life to some people of like, she got married very young. She didn't really know who she was. She had a kid very young. And now she is in what, what her character calls her quote, Gwenaissance. And so she doesn't feel like what is that? her, it's like the Renaissance of Gwen, right? Like, oh, she's, that's her name. Okay. Right. So she's rediscovering what she's always liked to do. And she doesn't want to be hemmed in by like being a mom and she's very critical of her daughter and all that all these kinds of things so there's also that so emma tries to get her to go away but she just hangs out with maggie because maggie because she stayed in the town the two of them had actually become pretty close after maggie's mom passed away so gwen says to her nothing can ever prepare you for the horror that is childbirth and the thankless task of raising a child accurate (laughs) that's what i thought i was like (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, of the two of us, Marissa actually has given birth twice and is raising two children, and I am, you know, You could call them children. They were pretending to be puppies earlier. Oh. Huh. Uh, And, you know, slobbering all over me. That sounds like fun. You could call them children, I suppose, if you want to be (laughs) very liberal in your definitions. (laughs) So back in the kitchen, you know, Emma sort of makes fun of the way that Mark spoke with Tina on the phone, and Mark just sort of shoots back that... Emma doesn't understand what it takes to be in a long-term relationship, and it turns out that their relationship was her longest relationship. I mean, that kind of makes sense, though. Like, who was she going to do? I assume she didn't speak Chinese, right? She did speak Chinese a little bit, um, but I think it was mostly because she's working such crazy hours. Like, it's very clear in the pilot that, like, she doesn't really have friends in China. She just sort of works and... Um, you know, hangs out with her assistant a little bit, but like he's paid to hang out with her kind of thing. So um, because he's her assistant. Um, So she feels really isolated. That's another reason why she decides to move home. Um, And she says she doesn't have a fear of commitment. And he sort of says like, okay, well, if you don't have a fear of commitment, then why did you move to China like the day after I proposed to you or whatever? And Emma kind of shoots back at him and says, well, you didn't really want to marry me. You just wanted to get married, right? She doesn't believe that his proposal was genuine. She believes that his proposal was about he had a plan for his life and he wanted to be married by this age and on the police force by this age. And, you know, which is his job now. Yeah. So he's a police officer. And, you know, you just want to live your life very rigidly. And, you know, I'm not about that. I just do what I want. So they're getting mad with each other. And um, they start sort of like, you know, they're taking out their aggression with each other by like recklessly painting the kitchen. And they accidentally paint roller or Mark accidentally paint rollers Maggie when she walks into the kitchen. And she Her just, anger, yes. I was like, that would be my anger. Yes. Where she's just, where she's just like, what? Yeah. I mean, that's the other nice thing about this show is that like they're very real. Like it's it's kind of sappy sometimes or like lovey, but... Like, they do have moments where she's, she just is not afraid to yell at them. She's just like, 
get yourselves together. You got to paint this whole house. And she's sort of hormonal. And she's like, I got to live where my baby lives. And I can't have my baby living in a house with paint fumes. And I have to live here with my baby. and Get yourselves together. Uh, and they're like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And she's all, what I love too, she goes, make up. Nobody cares. <laughs> Which is great. Um, and so, yeah, they're like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And so they get a bunch of people together, like a ragtag group of dreamers, as Emma calls them. And uh, Maggie asks one of her neighbors to install the baby monitor in the nursery. And in doing so, he kind of gives her anxiety about all the ways that, like, she hasn't baby-proofed well enough. Um, and then back in the kitchen, Emma and Mark are working kind of quietly together. You know, things are, are settling down. And he sort of pipes up to say that he would have gone to China with her, but uh, she never asked him to. And she's shocked. And she said, you always said Pinebrook was it for you. Pinebrook is where they live. And he said, you were it for me. And of course, it's like this very emotional outburst. And then he kind of collects himself. And he's like, well, it all worked out for the best, obviously. Like, I'm and married. she's like, yeah, we're talking yeah. about oh, great. Um, and then uh, she apologizes. And he kind of is like, oh, I, what's that? I have to hear that again. And he keeps getting closer to her as he repeats herself, as she repeats him, herself. And um, they are, like, very, very close to one another when Tina walks in and offers them snacks. And they recover, but, like, By not the way, really when did well. she get there? Like, she called him about picking up cold cuts. Like, well, they had enough time for everybody else to get there. So, yeah, that's true. So I always, I always just assume that, like, you know, maybe Maggie called her and was like, hey, can you come help out or something like that? Um, so she... Come, she kind of bursts in. She's like, "I brought snacks," and they're like, "Oh, great! It's my, it's, so, a- it's the best. This is the best wrap I've ever tasted." Um, and Mark is like, "Hey, look! It's my wife! It's my wife, Tina!" Like, very overacting <laughs> here. And so, uh, in the other room, Tina helps Maggie with her baby snuggie, and she just sort of offhandedly mentions. By the way, I owned that's an ergo. Oh, yeah. I owned that uh, and never used it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, th- there were other products I liked better. But that's, like, a super famous one. Tina, like, randomly says that the Babysitter Club books were based on her life, loosely. That's really funny, yeah. So Tina asks Maggie if Emma likes her, and Maggie's like, oh, well, that's just awkwardness from, like, when they were engaged. And and Tina's like, they were never engaged. And she goes, oh, right, because, like, she never actually said yes. And And turns out Tina didn't know that Mark had proposed to Emma, so she freaks out. And she barges in on them painting in the kitchen and she storms out and Mark is following her and Maggie's like, I'm so, says to Emma, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know she didn't know. And Emma's like, it's so much worse than that because when, when she came in, like we were standing this close and she kind of gets in Maggie's face and Maggie's like, why was that happening? And, um, she says, you know, he said he would have gone to China with me. And there's this great thing where they sort of talk over each other and, you know, Maggie's like, I don't believe it. She's like, yes, it, it happened. And so Tina and Mark go to fight in the nursery. So all the other people who've come to help. I are, should have seen this coming, by the way, but I didn't. Are watching them fight on the baby monitor, which is hysterical. And Emma interrupts uh, Mark and Tina in the room. And Tina kind of lashes out at her that it's not all about Emma. And Emma kind of lets it slip that... Mark said he would have gone to China with her. And Mark has the best reaction. Yes. Why would you say that? Out loud in the world. I just thought that was so funny. That to me sounded like a Keegan-Michael Key line that he like wrote himself. Yes. And I think too that there was probably a lot of improvisation on this set. 
So that wouldn't surprise me. It would be me. weird if a bunch of UCBers didn't allow improvisation right, they, on the like, set. Guys, we have to stick to the script. Like, you know, <laughs> I think we can all handle it. Um, so, and actually, I will put a plug in for on YouTube if you are ever looking for, like, they have great playing house outtakes where, like, I think you can see a lot of that improvisation. So the ones from this episode are, like, what Lennon and Jessica are saying to each other when they're, like, standing really, really close to each other in the kitchen. And then another part of the scene coming up where Maggie goes in to break up the fight. And, like, she tries to kind of get them to all lighten up and say, like, this is just the craziness of youth and we just have so much history together. And they're all starting to calm down. She's like, and then honestly, like, which one of us hasn't had a piece of Mark? I know I have. And that is news to... Tina Tina and Emma and Mark is just like why (laughs) what and so the two of them are like listen it was before you and after you and it's fine and Emma's like oh we're gonna talk about this and Tina kind of storms out I think Tina kind of rightfully thinks that this shouldn't matter to Emma yes yes she does she's like why is this news to you like why do you care about it and I mean, I would actually say the other way around that Emma, not that she was necessarily like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that with Mark, but like, I can't believe this happened, you know, 12 years ago and you never told me about it. We're best friends. Like maybe Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So Emma goes to sort of confront Maggie, but Maggie starts having contractions and Emma's thinks that she's faking in order to yeah, get out of... Yeah, she's like, the Oscar goes to... Right, she thinks she's faking, but she's really not faking. And so Emma and Mark just sort of jump into, we're going to put our differences aside and help you. And so they help her get down the stairs. And Emma, once again, is like just very, very um, supportive of her friend. And like, I mean, that's this is a great example of like, they have an issue and the minute... They need to be there for each other. They are there for each other. There's no, like, residual stuff like, well, I'm not going to help you because you were mean to me or whatever. It's just like, okay, we're going to do this and I'm going to help you. And she says, as a new mom, you got everything you need. That baby's going to sleep on you and she's going to eat on you and I'm going to take care of the rest. That is exactly, by the way, for those of you who might be thinking about having children, that's exactly what you need in a partner. Yes. (laughs) You just need someone who's like, I realize that the baby's going to eat off of you. So to speak. Yeah. And mostly we'll be sleeping on top of you and I will be doing the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and the answering of doorbell and the writing of thank you notes and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um, And then she's like, okay. And Jess goes, uh, Emma goes, let's go destroy that vagina. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the end of episode one or uh, sorry, episode one that we watched season one, episode eight. And then she does have the baby, obviously, and everything turns out well. Yeah, it would be a, it would be a very different kind of show if, you know, the, the baby died or That's something. the thing, right? The, everything big that needs to go well in the show goes well. There's, like, a moment of stress, but it all works out. Like, the next episode... Um, is like actually about the delivery and it's like her doctor there's a different doctor on call and she's uncomfortable with that and they have to like they they basically just like spin a whole bunch of lies and have to keep a bunch of plates in the air you know proverbial plates in the air and um you know the father is there and and her brother zach shows up and he's gone to doula training and like so they're trying to just (laughs) juggle a whole bunch of different things But, like, everything actually goes well and the baby is healthy. The same thing for if you watch... uh, We're going to get to uh, season three in a minute. But 
Um, if you watch all of season three, there's a point at which they discover that Emma has breast cancer, which actually happened to Jessica St. Clair in real life. And that's why they decided to put it in the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to, like, is she going to have complications? Like, what's going to happen? And it just ends up being that, like, obviously it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to go through, but they don't leave you in suspense of, like, is she going to live or die? Like, they they right. find it, they that, diagnose it's, it. It's beach law, right. ladies and gentlemen. It's beach law. It's not, you know, I was like, is she going to be okay? She goes in for a double mastectomy. Is that, does, some, does she have complications? No. They find it, they diagnose it. They get a great doctor played by um, the sister from Roseanne. I don't remember her name. Oh, Jackie. Jackie from Roseanne. She just didn't. She just win an Oscar for Lady Bird. She did, and she's great. And they they fix her up and they give her new breasts, and she's like good to go. And you know she she's in recovery, obviously, but like it's very like it's not this very very stressful thing it's like stressful for a little bit and then everything works out right which is nice to have in these kinds of shows beach law beach law so do you want to do celebrate me scones or do yeah, i want to keep it a little tighter than you did okay well i'm sorry <laughs> right and tight <laughs> uh because uh yeah right. we're we're quite a while into the recording and we've only done one of the three episodes so in broadly this this episode is about how Kenny Loggins is finally coming to Connecticut which I will instantly call bullshit on because there are casinos in Connecticut on Indian reservations and Kenny Loggins would be like a complete fixture <laughs> at at a at a crosswinds or whatever those <laughs> things are called like a turning stone yes so this is the only episode of the three that features Zach Woods as Zach, the the younger brother of Maggie. And we should like maybe get the weirdness out of the way up front yeah. and just say that we grew up with Zach. Yay! Um, he was our uh, like we lived on the same street as him when we were little. I guess you didn't. I right? didn't. Right? Because we, we moved to we moved before um, we moved to a different house, and so did they. But so so we grew up knowing him. So it's like intensely strange to see him doing anything <laughs> like this or like he was in the new Ghostbusters movie or like, I mean, I don't watch Silicon Valley, but I think he's like a big major character on Silicon Valley. Yeah, he is. He was in. Um, he was on The Office. He was on The Office. He was in In the Loop. He was in. Oh, he's great in The Loop. Um, the new. He was actually had like a very bit part in that movie about the Washington Post, the Post that came mm-hmm. out. Um, so I went to see that with our mom and dad, and mom was like, "What? <laughs> Zach is in this?" <laughs> so yeah, it is. It's strange, but like he's also. I think like everything that you've read about him is that he's the nicest person on earth, and that is true. A hundred percent accurate. A hundred percent accurate. I once took a couple of friends from college to see him. So he was also a UCB guy. And yes. that is probably how he knows all these people. Yes. I once took a couple of friends to see him at UCB, you know, when we were in our twenties. And um then afterwards he like, you know, he came out with us for drinks or ice cream or something. And the impression that these friends of mine from college came away with was just that he was like the best person that they'd ever met <laughs> he is he genuinely accurate. is <laughs> accurate and, yeah so he's just wonderful and he's hilariously funny and has been since we were tiny children <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much he's been always it was funny because the, the, this episode begins with a, a video of them supposedly as children and two things first of all 
the time the sorry the date stamp on it is from 1984 and i was like zach wasn't even born yet or like he <laughs> if he was born he was a tiny infant so they like really aged him up for this show i guess yeah but secondly i was like that's not what he looked like <laughs> as a little child like not even close but uh, so there's this the whole the thrust of this episode is that Maggie and Emma are giant Kenny Loggins fans. Which is this the first time it's been mentioned in the show? No, it was mentioned in the pilot. Um, okay. So when they're driving, when Maggie picks Emma up from the airport, they start singing "Celebrate Me Home" in the car. Okay, so it's a it's a it's a theme. It's it's a yeah. through line. Yeah. So, um, so so the the thrust of this episode is that they Zach was supposed to get them tickets to this Kenny Loggins show in Hartford. And he instead got <laughs> fleeced by a woman named Janice Wilcall. Janine. Janine Sorry, Wilcall. Janine. Janine Wilcall. Played by a- uh, someone on Mad TV. Yes. Oh, I was wondering where I knew her from. And so because they don't actually have tickets, Maggie <laughs> concocts a hilarious scheme where she has like a trucker hat with a faux like mullet coming out of it and like a fake mustache. And she puts... Emma in like a bandana and she dresses Zach up like he's in the cure. Yeah. And then they pretend to be roadies and it just works because this is that kind of show, right? Right. So the this is recur a recurring character if you have watched Oh, he playing. he appears in the in the final episode as well. Yeah. Bocephus. And he also he appeared also in season one in a in a episode called Bocephus and the Catfish. Uh, which is a fantastic episode. I really had a hard time picking which ones we should do because they're all funny to me. But Bocephus and the Catfish is about uh, Maggie dressing up like Bocephus in order to spy on Zach's date because she thinks he's getting catfished. And so she dresses up. Yeah, we've seen this character before is all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. And Emma always thinks that she's destroyed the Bocephus getup. Yes. But somehow and, she hasn't. <laughs> and Emma's character is named Jandana because she wears a bandana. <laughs> yeah. So they pretend to be roadies and things go south for Maggie and Emma pretty quickly because they get asked to take some uh, punny snacks to Kenny Loggins' dressing room because he, so he has foot juice instead, you know, for Footloose, he's got juice yeah. called foot juice, which is kind of gross, but... <laughs> And then he's got celebrate me scones and uh, uh, I'm all rice. Yeah. Just like all these, which this cannot be a real thing, right? This is a I play. really hope it is. I mean, he's <laughs> in the episode, so he had to ostensibly sign off on. I'm sure that he was like, oh, this is all in good fun. He's a very easygoing guy, right? Yeah. But like he doesn't actually have a tub of foot juice in his dressing room. <laughs> I don't know. So they kind of, well, not they, Maggie kind of loses her cool when Kenny Loggins comes out of the poo corner. <laughs> the bathroom. And it turns out they hear him flush. He comes out and instead of, and he's just like, oh, okay, thanks guys. And instead of being cool, Maggie freaks out and starts crying about how when she had her daughter, she would like sing Celebrate Me Home to her or whatever. Yeah. And Kenny Loggins calls for security because they get handsy and they get thrown into like the arena Lock fake up. jail yeah <laughs> with janice will call janine janine will call <laughs> and of course the officer who responds is mark so so i i don't have a sense of the continuity on this show so mark emma has been trying to get in touch with him somebody said he was undercover she didn't believe it but it seems like it was true he is dressed up like shaft yeah <laughs> he legit is um 
And he said he's been trying to crack this... Uh, scalping ring. Yeah, thank you. Scalping ring. And he found Janine Wilcall. And he's like, I was wondering who'd be dumb enough to buy tickets from someone named Janine Wilcall. And here you are. Yeah. But he just lets them go. It seems like this happens a lot. Like, they get in trouble with the law. And he's like, oh, let him go. Well, that's... that's He mentions that in the last episode. In the episode, finale, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's but, an episode. There's a, so, there's, what is actually going on with them in the continuity of the show? Because okay. the in the first the, the first season episode we watched, he's still married, and yeah. they are not like separated or anything, right? So, in the middle, so at the end of the, I'm just, this is I'm going to be as quick as humanly possible because I know I drone on, but at the end of the first season, Tina tells Mark, "You can't have any more contact with Emma." Um, and that is very difficult for Mark because he wants to see Maggie and Maggie's baby. So they're kind of sneaking around doing that. And at the beginning of the second season, and then by mid second season, Tina and Mark agree to get a divorce because things are just really, really going downhill. And so while that is happening, Emma has met a guy who incidentally is played by the same guy who Amy breaks up with in Brooklyn Nine-Nine for Jake. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, I think you it's just... You just hate that guy, huh? It's, it's just... No, I don't hate that guy. It's just, like, that guy's job to be, like, the perfectly nice guy who gets dumped for, like, the will-they-won't-they they relationship, I think. So, so Maggie is... Or, I'm sorry, Emma is dating this, like, really nice guy, and she's really, really over the moon about him. And then there is the episode before Celebrate Me Scones is an episode called Officer of the Year, which is Emma helps plan a party for um, the police. It's basically like the policeman's ball. And Mark is being honored. He's he's the officer of the year. And she sort of realizes that she's still got like all these unresolved feelings for him. And they share a moment at the end of that episode where he basically says like, you know, I don't think I can, you know, do this again because you really hurt me unless, right? So that's what, like, when they have the conversation in yes. this episode about what did you mean by unless, that's what he's he like, said. oh, I don't know unless. Yeah, exactly. Unless, I don't know. Um, so, and then they sort of get separated by a Congo line, basically. And so she breaks up with this perfectly nice guy, uh, Dan, to see if, like, Mark would be willing to be with her and then he has gone undercover so isn't answering her calls and she thinks that's because like he doesn't actually want to be with her so that's where we are in this episode yeah okay got it so oh yeah so so maggie and emma you know they get released from the lockup but they've like missed the concert and they're and there was this whole thing about how maggie had written this really beautiful letter about how emma you know dropped everything in her life to come help with her baby and and had sent it to Kenny Loggins' people, and Kenny Loggins was, like, so moved by it that he was going to read the letter at the show or whatever. And then... Oh, and also, meanwhile, <laughs> Zach has... Who is this woman? I don't know, but she's She's, great. like, a real person, right? Isn't she a real... she a real person? Like, a real musician? Oh, Pam. All right, just uh, keep going, and I'll Google Yeah. It. So, Zach has forged a... A, a brief fling with this other musician who's on the Kenny Loggins tour, apparently, named Pam. And so just when Maggie and Emma are at their lowest point, they missed the concert, they were in lockup, the tour bus swings around and Zach kind of pops his head out like, yeah, come on in. And 
he, they go in and Kenny Loggins is like, oh, we heard about what happened. And so, like, I think I, you know, you guys deserve a private concert. You know, it's just like, beach law. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kenny Loggins plays just a, like a couple lines of Celebrate Me Home. And they kind of do, Maggie and Emma kind of do backup for him. So and, her name is Pamela Adlon, and she's a oh, actress. Oh, oh no, she yeah, that's a comedian. Okay, so yeah. she's not a real. She's, I thought she I, she looked to me like a real musician. Yeah, she had that she had that look. She's got you got a real witchy energy about you. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. Yes, and then and Pam and Zach have a very brief, um, intimate encounter on the bus while they're singing while Maggie and Emma are singing "Celebrate Me Home," and then. They're so excited and they go home and Mark is waiting for Emma. And that's like, that's the end of season two, right? Yeah. So this, this marked, uh, this episode marked the, the year since um, Emma came home to help Maggie with the baby. So this was sort of like her anniversary gift was mm. going to be these tickets. And she's kind of freaking out. And they have, again, like this very, something goes wrong. And she's like, I just wanted to thank you. And, and Emma's like, I don't care about any of that. I love you. This has been the best year of my life. Like very emotional moment. And then in the background, Janine will calls just like, ah, ah, ah. and then <laughs> turn around and she's like, they're like, what? And she goes, I get it now. The importance of lady friendship. And she like tries <laughs> to be friends with them. And it's great. Um, so yeah, so Mark is waiting for her on the porch at the end. And it is a cliffhanger. And then going into, and this is another episode, the the series finale is another episode that I can be pretty quick about because it really just has one plot line. So Emma and... It was, it was almost like a fever dream though. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Emma and Mark are dating in season three. And once again, it's like, cliffhanger of like will they won't they will it work out you know won't it work out and then we don't even see the conversation they have at the beginning of season three they are just dating like oh, huh okay yeah um and so season three a few things happen one is that uh maggie has graduated from nursing school and is now a nurse at a hospital where she meets her boyfriend so uh he's a surgeon at the at the hospital where they both work and the way that they discover emma's cancer is that emma goes in to like sort of suss this guy out a little bit and like make sure that he's like good enough for maggie um and also to kind of like get some info about whether or not he's single because maggie has said that he that she likes him and he does a breast exam and finds a lump basically and so that's how like it's like really Yeesh. funny yeah it's like really funny circumstance and then oh my gosh you have cancer but then but then, they do this i think you said this they do this because in real life jessica st Clair had breast cancer yeah she had breast cancer and this character this uh clive erickson is his name the doctor is really great uh to them and hooks Emma up with like a friend of his who's a great um you know oncologist. oncologist and they save her life and she also you know she's been googling a ton of stuff about cancer and he's like stop googling and if you need to ask any <laughs> like if you need a question answered you can text me anytime day or night so she's like texts him in the middle of the night I see. so that's when like when Mark is talking to him at the restaurant that's what he they're talking about is you know, when when Clive says I've had to upgrade my data plan, that's what he's talking about because Got Emma it. will text him in the middle of the night and say, "Am I going to die?" And he says, "No, go back to sleep." <laughs> um, so, uh, in the meantime, 
so yeah, so Emma and Mark are dating. Now these two are dating. Maggie and Clive are dating. And uh, this this finale was supposed to be a season finale. They didn't realize it was going to be the end of the series. Um, so that's why it doesn't sort of have... Dang you, Mr. Robot! I know! It's like, I love Mr. Robot, but uh, I would much rather have Playing House for another, like, eight seasons than Queen of the South or something else that is stressful and dumb. So they didn't really know they were going to get canceled. So this was just supposed to be a, a season finale and it ended up being their series finale. Um, so, but the basic gist of this one is that Emma and Maggie are getting ready to go out and celebrate Emma finishing her chemotherapy. And they are going to meet their boyfriends at Simone, which is this like really fancy restaurant. Um, <laughs> the guy who is their waiter is from the Drew Carey show. Diedrich Bader. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I, I guess he was another improv dude. Maybe, maybe. Uh, and I have watched enough Chef's Table to know that there are restaurants like this, and it makes me really mad. But that's a whole... That's not neither here nor there. So on the way... So the the guys are at the restaurant, and they are just having this, like, ridiculously complicated meal. Like, million-course meal. The salad course is dirt. Is, like, that's where we're at. So meanwhile, the main part of the story is Emma and Maggie end up going on this, like fabulous fever dream adventure because it really does i thought maybe at the last they were gonna pull out from emma's hospital bed and she was gonna be in a coma or something no that's not this kind of show i know it literally is like they get to hang out with drag queens and it's great um so they emma thinks that she's cursed and you know their car breaks down and they get picked up by their neighbor who's a lift driver who uh, the guy in the back of the car with them is going to a drag show and he takes them backstage to the drag show. To is help he them. like a famous He person? might be. I don't know. I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race. So she, so the two of them are getting basically like made over slash getting pep talks from drag queens. And it's actually like a really sweet, I really like that scene. It's really sweet and funny and you know, they talk about all the things that they've been through and the drag queens are kind of like, you know, what I thought was nice was, you know, so Emma has uh, had has had a double mastectomy and has implants now and she's really self-conscious about them. She says, I don't feel like they're mine. They're kind of not camera ready, whatever you want to say. And one of the drag queens is like, did you pay for them? You got the receipts? They're yours, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which I thought was great. And so... Turns out two of the drag two of the drag queens who are supposed to perform are stuck on a whale watching tour in Provincetown. <laughs> and which, which is such a it's such a niche New England. I was gonna reference. say you New have England to know <laughs> Yes. You have to know that P Town, as they call it, they actually say P they don't even bother saying Provincetown. You have to literally know what they're talking about, which is that they're talking about Provincetown, which is this beach town on the very tip of Cape Cod that is like historically gay now they're in connecticut so (laughs) the tip of cape cod to connecticut is a long way but you know it's cool (laughs) yeah so they're like oh we don't have anybody to sing proud mary what are we gonna do and maggie volunteers the two of them to sing proud mary and they do and the crowd loves them (laughs) <laughs> they like instantly learn the choreography everything is fantastic like i said fever dream and after the show 
they end up getting a ride from um, Jack Breyer, Jack McBrayer, Jack McBrayer, um, who was a character on an episode, an earlier episode, who was Maggie's delivery man, and they would gossip with each other all the time. And so that's why they're gossiping with each other. And they gossip about one of their neighbors, uh, Shirley Lambert, who has like a really ugly seasonal, like out of season flip-flop wreath on her door. It's disgusting. Yeah. And that's the point. And Maggie wants to go look at it. And then she decides she wants to steal it. So Maggie and Emma. She seems like she's drunk, even though it doesn't seem like they've had anything to drink. Yeah. she's. I think she's just. She's like high on the experience. Well, she's high on the emotions of Emma's chemo being over. Yeah. And so they, like, steal the the flip-flop wreath, and she starts, uh, you know, they're both laughing in a heap uh, on the front porch. And, you know, Maggie starts crying, and she has this, like, really emotional moment where she's like, I'm so glad you're alive. And mm. I thought, yeah, I mean, it's really sweet. Like... She's like, I, I didn't know whether or not... I'm sure some of this also was, like, actual Lenin Parham's actual feelings yes. about her best friend being diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes. And she's like, I, I didn't know whether or not we were going to have any more adventures like this. I'm so glad you're alive. And, you know, it's it's just very, very sweet. And it is interrupted by the... Jack McBrayer is uh, inexplicably driving an ice cream truck. And yeah, whatever. <laughs> and well, there is an explanation, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> so he's driving an ice cream truck, and the you know the song comes on, do 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 do, or whatever comes on, and he starts driving away, and the neighbor wakes up, and Maggie and Emma are like, they're running. still in their Tina Turner getup. Yeah, so, so they're still in full drag, and they run after, and they like hop on the back of the ice cream truck with the wreath in hand and they're laughing and laughing and at the meanwhile at the restaurant you know mark kind of says to clive they don't know each other that well but he's like you know i've been meaning to tell you like thank you for uh, everything saving her life basically saving her life like you saved her life and the doctors you found saved her life and i know you've been answering all her questions and everything like that and clive like is very gracious about it and then like asks him how he's doing and Mark is kind of like, oh, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. So it's really difficult. But like, you know, we're getting through it. And then later on, like Clive is like, should we be worried that they're so late? And Mark is like, no, I always he's like, I figured it would be the two of us for at least an hour and a half. And so they've been kind of bonding. And then Mark gets a text from work that is an APB for two <laughs> drag queens. And he's like, he, he's, so he's reading it as the <laughs> two walk women in. walk into the restaurant. So he's like, look at this. Two drag queens just stole a wreath from Shirley Lambert's door. And like in full <laughs> drag-, drag queen Tina Turner's, I think he used Yeah, that. drag queen Tina Turner's walk in and it's the two of them and Maggie has the wreath and they're like, hello friends. And it's just like, <laughs> and they're like, are you what's happening? And they're like, we're not going to talk about anything until we have our lawyer present. And they all just leave together. And then the two women are back at home and they go check in on the baby. And who was, what, do, do, does Emma's mom provide babysitting or something? Uh, it's usually the baby's father or the baby's father's mother. Ah, okay. Yeah, so she also, so the baby's father 
also, I guess, grew up in this town. Like, everybody's just mm. from this town. Mm-hmm. And his mom is the grandma from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> She's great. And okay. so she, she will watch the baby. Or sometimes Zach does. Like, they have sort of a it-takes-a-village vibe with this kid. Like, everybody sure. just comes in and pitches in. And so somebody had been watching her, but we don't see who. And the two of them just, like, are standing over her crib in full drag, sort of, like, talking about what a crazy night it was. And then they say... Good night, Sharbar. Your two crazy mamas love you. Yeah, that was so sweet. Yeah, and and that's the end. That's the end. I take it that that the show is like well and truly dead. It's not like it's going to come back or anything. Yeah, no they they got the news that they were canceled. So you know, I'm super bummed about it. But you know, I'm sure they've got a whole bunch of other things in the works. So it sounds like they do anyway. But this show is like so sweet and nice while it lasted and i just want us to be able to have nice things i think (laughs) (laughs) why can't we have nice things i don't know i it was you know i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it it was like it was kind of this nice mix of like honest to god comedy yeah like really funny comedy yeah and honest sentimentality. I mean, I, I'll be I'll be totally upfront and say, for most of the second and third episodes we watched, like I just had tears in my eyes most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like this very real stuff about how Maggie thought she was going to be on her own raising this baby, and then her best friend steps in to pick up the slack, and she feels like this sort of eternal debt of gratitude, and you know everything goes terribly wrong with this Kenny Lockett's concert. <laughs> But the fact that she had wanted to give her this gift of having Kenny Loggins, like, dedicate a song to her or whatever. Yeah. By the way, if you ever get Michael McDonald to dedicate a song to me, that will be the ultimate Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> duly noted. <laughs> yeah, like, we also love... Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to get into a whole thing about our history with Yacht Rock, but we've no, seen but- Michael McDonald in concert multiple times i recently paid way too much money to see him in concert in manhattan and i sent you uh videos of our favorite songs it looked, um, it looked like no matter how much money you spent it was the correct amount of money it was a hundred percent worth it but i told a couple of my friends how much i paid and they were like what and i was like look i really like michael mcdonald get over but i also you know that's why i was secretly sad that the kenny Loggins song that they kept hammering was celebrate me home because i don't care about that song i love this is it this is it. well like that was his dressing room his co-production with michael mcdonald well and 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 this is also like i think part of the reason why i like this show so much is that there are things in it that remind me of our relationship oh you know not that your husband is terrible and you divorce him and i came to help you with the kids although if I mean, I don't see that ever happening, but <laughs> but the fact that they are like just like always there for each other, and they have it's they are like weird and quirky on top of being very sentimental, and they have like they love Kenny Loggins, and we also love Yacht Rock, and you know they've gone through stuff like childbirth and cancer diagnoses and this and that, and they're still like going strong. That d- I definitely you know think about our family when I think about that too. Yeah, I can't say that I have a female friendship that is this close, aside from the one that I have with my actual blood relative, who is you, right? There's not, I can't really think of a woman who is not you who, you know, if their life blew up, I would sort of drop everything and go to their side, you know, Mm -hmm. for a year, multiple years, whatever, become the second mom to their baby. Right. I mean, this is, this is much 
less of a big deal. But like when I went through a really tough breakup, like two days before New Year's, you got on a train and you came to hang out with me so I wouldn't be alone on New Year's. Like, that's the kind of thing that I think they I was like, peace, do. y'all. <laughs> my, was, husband, my husband's like, where? I'm like, bye. <laughs> and I was like, you don't need to do this. And you were like, you need me. I'm coming. I'll be there. I've already got the Amtrak tickets. <laughs> like, yeah. I think you just. I'm I was, in the car. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I think I called you and I was like, we broke up. And you're like, hold on. I'm on Amtrak.com. Like, you were just <laughs> on it. And I think that's. The By the way, everyone always opt for Amtrak over the bus. <laughs> oh, please do. Never take the bus to New York. I just did it yesterday. And, uh. Uh, you know yeah we were on vacation everybody that's why there wasn't an episode last week we were on the jersey shore which is where we have vacation for basically our entire lives yep uh uh, the best vacation spot in america (laughs) (laughs) in this great in this great nation of ours uh, Nothing better. And I did... I've been spiking my blood sugar by <laughs> horfing down saltwater taffy. I mean, it is like, you should see the graph on my glucose monitor. It's like, hey, everything's going along nice and steady. Oh, why did you eat saltwater taffy? Whoosh. Whoosh. There's no amount of insulin you can give yourself <laughs> to make you this recover from this. This is it. <laughs> Make no mistake where you are. Um, so this, so that's. They also, also wrote, wrote "What a Fool Believes" together. Yes, let us never forget. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Apparently, Quincy Jones helped Michael McDonald write "Yamo Be There," which is like, <laughs> I know. Anyway, things I learned while paying too, way too much money to see him in concert. Oh, did he mention that at the concert? Yeah, he, he was did. Like, this is a little ditty that Quincy Jones helped me write. Yes, Yamo literally. So before all these songs, he would like he would do a little like VH1 storytellers about. <laughs> oh, that's so song. great! But that's we've great. seen him before, and he didn't do that. Maybe he's just getting a little bit like. Maybe he needs more of a vocal rest between songs. or Maybe, something. maybe, maybe, or maybe he's just vamping so they can like switch instruments or whatever. Oh yeah, but yeah, it was great, and we love. But it's but it is that sort of like quirkiness with genuine comedy and also like real friendship that's kind of why i love this show so much yeah it's just very it's very sweet it's very watchable there's no no one on the show is like an irredeemable jerk that i kind of have to like roll my eyes at and watch around if you know what i mean yeah like you know i don't i don't mean to trash aziz ansari again but like thinking back to parks and rec like i didn't want to have to really listen to aziz ansari a lot of the time but there's like nobody like this on this show i just kind of can yeah and and the characters who like i said the characters who start out like tina starts out as kind of like this harpy right and she gets a lot more humanity throughout the show and after the divorce well i was looking at some of the episode descriptions and it seems like emma and tina actually work together yeah they become friends and they start a uh, an event planning business together That's so deeply strange. Yeah, it's really deeply strange, but it's the kind of thing that happens in a universe where you can be friends with your boyfriend's ex, and they actually talk about it in one episode. They're like, you know, it hasn't been easy for us, but we worked on it because, like, we want to be in each other's lives, right? You know, I think that happens a lot on sitcoms. Like, I think in real life, she wouldn't want to have anything to do with them, but... Yeah. And also, Emma's the kind of character who... This also happens in the show when, like... You know, she and there has been a time where she and Tina haven't really spoken, obviously, because of the whole divorce and then the dating your ex thing. But 
Jessica St. Clair's character kind of inserts herself into Tina's life because she feels bad. She wants to, like, make up for stuff. So um, there is a great episode uh, in season three star uh, with guest star June Diane Raphael. Um, we that, love her. That kind of, yes, we do love her. That kind of mends their relationship a little bit. So, so yeah, it's just like a really, I don't know, I really enjoy the show. I think it's it's a really great watch. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that that USA decided that beach law was no longer how they were going to make their money. Yeah, I know. I'm bummed. I mean, like I said, I love Mr. Robot, but it's so stressful. I don't I don't watch it. I don't need that in my life. No, you don't need that in your life. You really, really, really don't. And yeah, I do. I miss a lot of beach law. Some of it's on Netflix. Yeah, surprisingly, this was not, you know, I had to buy it on Amazon. I thought this is exactly the kind of show that Netflix should have streaming. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, how much can the licensing rights really be for a USA show that ran for three seasons? Like, it's, come on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would love it. And and I think there was also, you know, after they got canceled, people were hoping that Netflix would just pick it up mm. the way that they've done for some other shows. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. That's kind of a mixed blessing. Like, yeah. Arrested Development... I, I mean, I'm a huge, huge, huge Arrested Development fan. And come to think of it, maybe that could be our topic next week. If oh, we're just yeah. doing dealer's choice. Yeah, yeah. Seasons one through three of Arrested Development are... You know, it's basically between that and Community for me for like the best shows of the 2000s. Yeah. The best comedies of the 2000s. Yeah. But seasons... I, I watched season four of Arrested Development on Netflix and I was like, oh, sweet God. Yeah, that <laughs> what was... What have they done? That was rough. Season four was rough. I and I, I know that five. they have a season five now, and I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. You've, you've really poisoned the well for me, yeah. but uh, I appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Goodbye forever. Yeah, we should do Arrested Development. That's a great yeah. one. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd have to go back through the episodes and uh, see which one. I guess Netflix now has it all streaming because they have the they must have the rights the if rights. they have yep. seasons four and five. So that's nice and easy. Yeah, let's do Arrested Development next week. Sounds good. Uh, well, we figured that out. <laughs> anything else we want to sort of chat about before we get to... Uh, oh, Twitter? No, yeah. no. I just, you know, what a what a pleasant diversion. What a yes. pleasant diversion. And <laughs> Actually, I kind of feel the same way about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. What a pleasant yeah. diversion. And really, I mean, I just... Uh, really, really funny. And I will definitely follow... Like, if they start another show, I will 100% be in. Because I, I just... I, I love their friendship. And I love their brand of humor. And, you know... I take it that Justice, Jessica St. Clair is, like, doing okay Yeah, now? she's fine. Yeah. Okay. She actually... Uh, if you want to hear her more recently, she was just a guest host on... Uh, How, How Does This Get Made, made right? Many, yeah. many times for their live episodes. And she's just hysterical. She she's, and, she's one of the best guests that they get. She and Jason Manzoukas went to college together. Oh, so, that explains... Yeah, I think you've told me that before. That explains some of their banter. So they are longtime friends. And he actually, if you want to watch more episodes of Playing House... Uh, he is in an episode in the first season called Drumline, where he plays a crush of Maggie's from the Drumline from when they were in high school. And he is sort of playing his same kind of like dirtbag character that he always plays. But it's it's fun. It's funny. Maximum Derek. Yes, he is very Maximum Derek. So we did have a Twitter message. So thank you very much, uh, John T. Coco. More for you, four for you, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. Um, what is the what from? So this guy on Twitter, his name is John T. Coco. Yeah, but um, wh- where did you get that thing that you just said, Glenn Coco from Mean Girls? Oh, okay. 
When when he's handing out candy grams as Santa, and he says, four for you, Glen Coco, you go, Glen Coco. And then he goes, none for Gretchen Wieners, bye. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's what a, a great movie. It's a deep cut. Um, so he says, at the Good Play Pod, in the last two weeks, I have listened to the Good Play's community episode twice. Wow, thank you. And subsequently <laughs> watched Basic Lupine Neurology twice. Also, thank you. Good choice. Yes. Good choice. Not sure about the podcast part, but the community part is a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, September uh, shows uh, could have been Thursday night, NBC Thursday night comedies. He said he also likes Dealer's Choice. I hope you like this episode. John T. Coco, if you're listening. And one of the episodes or one of the shows he mentions is Happy Endings, which is a show that I talked about that I liked. Is that on Netflix? No. That's the So that's the thing I was going to say. He said, um, you mentioned on the podcast that you liked happy endings. Knowing that makes me so happy. I was going to say happy to bring it full circle. Uh, but I'm beyond happy. If you do happy, the theme could be shows NBC would have known how to market. I think happy endings was actually on ABC. Um, so maybe he means like if it had been on NBC. Oh, and- maybe. And I would love to do happy endings if we can find a way to stream it and buy it. Because it's not on Netflix, and I don't know about whether or not... I don't have Amazon Prime, so maybe, Mish, if you want to check Amazon Prime. Well, it's not necessarily on Amazon Prime, but it might right. be something that you can buy. buy on Amazon. I'll check. So, I'd love to do Happy Endings. It's another show that is... Um, yeah, you could buy the episodes on okay. um, on Amazon. So maybe we do Arrested Development next week, and, you know, if... If we have another hiatus, we can certainly do happy endings then if we have other things coming up. I think we have one more week. Yeah. Right? So we could do that. I wasn't sure if you wanted to do a um like a preview week for season three. You know, I've been looking you know, my my um the Google Chrome on my on my Android has learned how much I like the good place, so it's always being like, Oh, how about this good place article? And I'm always like, Thank you, you know who I am. But what I, what I've been reading so far, what when what's been available in the trades, as they say, yeah, uh, has not been much. Have you seen anything actually earth shattering coming out of? There was a casting announcement. They they're introducing a new character who is a neuroscientist at the place where at the university where Chidi works. Huh, I missed that. It was on Entertainment Weekly, and they also Entertainment Weekly also had a first look uh, at some of the sets. Like they have photos from the set and a few like new characters um so apparently there's a character who like guards the door between the afterlife and the human world or something hmm so like you know make a like see if we can dig a little bit more and if we can do a preview show then we will and if not maybe we can do happy endings sure but i'm happy to come back to haha uh happy to come back to happy endings later and i just want to say like how happy i am that John T. Coco, that you reached out to us and that you're so you were so He's happy us before. Oh, great! Uh, and um, that you are, we're very happy with our community episode because that was one of the most fun ones, at least if, for me, anyway. Oh, for sure. Um, anything else? Oh, you know, I, I I don't think so. No, no. I'm just glad they got to do this, and it's a nice little. It's a nice little. Uh, encapsulation of their friendship that they got to sort of have a USA budget for for a few seasons. <laughs> yes. And USA, can you bring back some beach law? Because I think we need some beach law in our lives. It's, come on, 2018. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I think that's uh, I think that's all for this week then. Yeah, don't forget, guys. Review Drive on iTunes. Yeah. Or tweet about it or something. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Until next time, keep rolling down the river. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. No, no, no.